Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi, Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing, from Kabbalah and the healing of your soul to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past, from ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you on your journey to heal yourself, discover your soul purpose, and live a soul-centered life. And now, on to the podcast. So welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. I am Baruch Levy, Rabbi B, and as always, honored and privileged to be guiding you through this very important conversation. The Defiant Spirit is my podcast under the soul-centered umbrella, as I've shared before. Ariella, my wife and co-founder of Soul Centered, and I do a lot of podcasts together. She has her own podcast, Divine Origins. I have mine, The Defiant Spirit, and we thought instead of kind of creating noise and confusion. We would just keep them under soul-centered. So whenever you see the Defiant Spirit, you know that is mine, and we will be continuing on these particular topics. And these topics, if you've listened thus far, always revolve around primarily Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, not Judaism, but the spiritual arm, if you will, of Judaism that's open to and accessible to everybody. It's not about the dogma, the do's and the don'ts, the structure. It's about the concepts, universal human concepts that we all can benefit from, live a life more consciously and intentionally by utilizing. And and frankly, in my exploration of spirituality, um, universal truths are universal truths, and I found them in Buddhism, I found them in Hinduism, I found them in Christian uh, mysticism, the Enneagram what comes out of Catholicism, and so on and so forth. I'm studying um, soon with a, a new friend that I made in a <clears throat> Kabbalah conference on Sufism, so starting to kind of see it there as well. And, you know, that's the beauty of, I think, true spirituality. It's... it's um, the exploration of the oneness of divinity and oneness is not two per our last conversation one is one and it's um, true across all times and places and peoples and traditions so that's um, really the power of Kabbalah and that's just my turf from which I have really grown out of and think through so I'm sharing it with you and particularly as it intersects with my other passion and that is logotherapy the work of Dr. Viktor Frankl who is author of over 30 books, including Man's Search for Meaning, and the founder of Logotherapy, which simply or not so simply means, Logos means meaning. And I'll be exploring that in another podcast with a now friend of mine, um, Dr. Dan Franz. And Dr. Daniel Franz is um, a logotherapist, and we're going to be talking about, in an upcoming podcast, just one word, Logos, and what it means. But for now, we'll call it meaning. And the intersection between these two great traditions, Logotherapy Frankel's worldview and his example, as well as many other examples in the Holocaust and beyond the Holocaust of men and women who have exemplified the greatest quality and attribute that we have been bestowed with that really sets us above 
the animal that sets us apart from nature, uh, our ability to rise above our nature to become supernatural, not necessarily to don tights and a cape, though no judgment, you know, dress up however you want. But this is um, not Superman or Wonder Woman kind of superpowers. It's our ability to go beyond the natural, supernatural. And that really comes down to that gift, the defiant power of the human spirit. If I had to boil down what I have seen as the secret sauce in those who overcome adversity, or as Dr. Frankel says, transform tragedy into triumph, then I would say it comes down to this, the ability to access, because we all have it, we don't always access it, um, the defiant power of the human spirit. And that's what this conversation is all about. So in this episode, I want to now move forward from podcast, I believe it was three of the Defiant Spirit. This would make it obviously four. And in three, we talked about reductionism. We talked about being reduced, reduced in particular to a number. As I always share, Dr. Frankel, like millions of other Jews, were reduced, or at least they were attempt, uh, the Nazis attempted to reduce them to less than humanity, to numbers, to things. And Dr. Frankel wore on his arm um, the brand, the, the number that, that was burned into his skin, 119104. That number, however, did not reduce him. He never became enslaved to that number or to the Nazis even if he lost himself for a while, he always had his true self, his essence. And we'll talk more about it probably in the next podcast, that that's represented in Kabbalah and his name. He knew who he was and he knew his why. We talked about that in a previous podcast. As Nietzsche says, when you know your why, you can endure your how. What's your why? Why do you exist? What's your, your purpose? What's your essence? What's your name? He had his why. And so he was able to defy that number. And it's so important. This is really the foundation of the work I do with clients, with, with people I guide, to help them articulate their why. Not just kind of have a, a nice abstract why, and a, a why, you know, of cliche of why you're here to, to take care of my kids and my spouse and love and be loved. No, articulate exactly why you are here because when the darkness of life descends, you're going to need to know and, and live that why to endure your how. One pause for one break while I take a quick drink. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here we go. Um, your why to endure your how, and that comes back to the defiant power of the human spirit, and that comes to defying your number, those things in your life that reduce you, that trap you. And it's not just being reduced to a number by Nazis. That's an extreme Thank God none of us have been through or will have to go through anything of, of that nature. But it doesn't mean, as Frankel reminds us, that we don't have our own personal concentration camps to be concentrated, to be reduced, to be confined. And we don't have to be confined by those numbers. And we talked in the last podcast about the numbers of your um, weight or your IQ or your bank account or a thousand things that are numbers and aren't numbers. It's just symbolic. So what is the opposite of reductionism, of being reduced, or, or the world attempting to reduce us and us allowing ourselves to be reduced? And that is, quite simply, expansion. And that's the nature of today's conversation for the remaining time we have. I, I like to keep it around 30 minutes, so uh, just your 
your time accordingly and we'll fill in that remaining time talking about what does it mean to expand. And I'm not talking about um, the usual way we think about expanding, right? As in necessarily expanding our waistline as I'm recording this, we're around the holiday season coming up on it and it's a time where we tend to expand in the wrong directions, eating too much. And, and I may even do actually a, a podcast on that alone because it's not a it's not an insignificant thing I struggle with and most people I know struggle with food. And so it's really not a laughing matter. It preoccupies so much of our life and, and can reduce us in very deep, profound, harmful ways. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about a, a different kind of expansion. And for that, I'm going to begin with the ending of Dr. Frankel's most famous book, Man's Search for Meaning. I think I've mentioned it 62,300 and now 33 times. So you need to read this book. And if you've read it, you need to reread it once a year on average, every year. I think I've written it. No, I've read it um, not 49 times, even though I'm 49, but certainly 20 plus times in my life because I began reading it when I was, um, I think, at the, either in high school or in co- definitely in college, and I really have picked it up and gone to it over and over again. And I've read these words, and they've always struck me, especially as I started studying Kabbalah, and I'll share with you why. So almost right after Dr. Frankel is liberated from the Holocaust in 1945, when the Allied troops, including my grandfather, Jack Brody, who was one of those troops, fighting for the U.S. Armed Forces, went in and liberated those concentration camps. I don't believe my grandfather was there, though wouldn't that be amazing if he was? Um, At Auschwitz, I think that's where Frankel was. No, I can't remember which concentration camp, but nonetheless, some hero, some heroes liberated him and he came out of the concentration camp and he um, said these words and he recorded them you can look at it. It's at like the end. I don't know the page number, but it's towards the end of the first section of man's search for meaning, somewhere in the probably the 90s. It's only like 100 pages in that first section. And Dr. Frankel writes, One day, a few days after liberation, I walked through the country past flowering meadows for miles and miles towards the market town near the camp. Larks rose to the sky and I could hear their joyous song. There was no one to be seen for miles around. There was nothing but the wide earth and sky and the lark's jubilation and the freedom of space. We're going to come back to that. The wide earth and sky and the lark's jubilation and the freedom of space. I stopped, looked around and up to the sky and then went down on my knees. At that moment, there was very little I knew of myself or of the world. I had but one sentence in mind, always the same. I called to the Lord from my narrow prison, and he answered me in the freedom of space. And that was a quote, end quote. How long I knelt there and repeated the sentence, memory can no longer recall, but I know that on that day and in that hour, my new life started step for step. I progressed until I again became a human being. That is such a profound passage, and particularly for me, because I don't, have a lot of um, verses memorized from the Bible. You know, my Christian friends are so good at um, quoting scripture and and, um, sentence and um, chapter and verse, and I'm not. Jews really aren't so good at 
remembering and not quite as textual based as Christians. Um, we're much more of an interpretive people, so looking at the Talmud and grappling with those words. But this one I do have memorized. I've memorized it. I don't think I did it on purpose, but it always spoke to me. We actually read this from the Psalms in many of our prayers traditionally. Um, and it's Psalm 118, verse 5. For those of you who are interested, you can look it up. And I have this one um, committed to memory more in Hebrew than in English. I'll translate um, as I go along, but she'll say it first. Min karati ya v'anani from the Metzar, I talked about this word Metzar um, in the last podcast because it's the same word as Egypt, Mitzrayim, but it also is really, it means constriction or narrowness, confines. So from the narrow prison, ultimately is what Frankel says, from this narrowness, but narrowness is a prison, prison a number being reduced and sentenced to that narrowness, that narrow prison, Karatiya, I called forth to Yah, to God, but we're going to come back to this word Yah. It's an interesting word. I called forth to the Lord. I actually don't love this word Lord. It makes me like have PTSD, PTSD to my Hebrew school days. And I think for many people, Lord just conjures up this old man in the sky. And that's not what this word is. Karatiya, I called out to Yah. So let's just call it Yah. Anani bamerchav Yah. And, and the Lord, I'm sorry, the the. The Yah, the God, answered me, Bamerchav Yah, Bamerchav Yah, in the expansiveness of Yah. So that it's using the same word twice. I called out to Yah and was answered from, from narrowness. I called out to Yah and it was answered in the expansiveness of Yah. What is this Yah? That's, um, and, and you know, I talked, I think, a little bit about this in the past podcast. Dr. Frankel wasn't explicitly selling Judaism. Nobody sells Judaism. We get no marketing recruitment uh, dollars. You don't need to be Jewish to get to, to God. You need to be a good person to get to wherever it is good we're going. Um, there's nothing in Judaism that says you need to believe in God. So, so you know, Frankel didn't proselytize. And, and in some ways, he kind of muted his Judaism and his kind of Jewish roots. But he was never ashamed, certainly, and didn't go out of his way of hiding them, unlike um, Freud and other early founders of psychotherapy or psychoanalysis. And it's all throughout his texts are just explicit references. This one is probably the most explicit, even though he doesn't name it. He quotes this psalm of all psalms coming out of the Holocaust, of, of the concentration camp. Why this, why this um, psalm? Because I believe it sums up everything that he stood for and everything that we need when we come out of our narrowness, when we come out of that thing, that experience, that darkness that confines us, that crushes us, crushes our, our life. Again, you don't have to have gone through the Holocaust to know the crushing defeat of darkness. I counsel people through it in so many ways. I mean, Right now, I think I have three or four, maybe five clients either going through or on the other side of divorce. I can't think of anything more of a personal concentration camp than divorce. I have tons and tons of clients and have gone through um, the, the darkness of grief. I haven't gone through a divorce. 
six, I think, out of my seven aunts and uncles did. My parents did. My grandparents essentially did. I counsel people through it. I can't say I personally have gone through it. I've gone through grief. I, I wouldn't compare the two. I would say that um, in some ways, divorce is more complicated than death because divorce is still, you're in shades of gray. It's not exactly death, but it's certainly not like life. And I can just tell you that this this narrow confining feeling of prison either being in a relationship that you feel trapped and you feel like you're in prison or that even if you got divorced or you're going through a divorce it doesn't it's not a clean break it's not a it's not a do-over you're not fresh especially if you have kids you're still bound forever to that other person and you know they go on living and, and you're in pain and suffering and there's just so much constriction restriction feelings of being imprisoned but again that's just one type of darkness and, and the death of a loved one and an illness a, a terminal illness sentenced to death which ultimately we all are but i don't want to diminish a, 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 a terminal diagnosis that somebody's walking around with because you know the rest of us kind of put off our prison sentence or our death sentence and don't live with it but somebody I counsel people, unfortunately, too frequently, who has been given a terminal illness, either of theirs or of a loved one's, and it feels like a, at least they describe it as a prison sentence, um, a kind of a death row type of a um, experience. My God, horrible, confining. I can barely breathe just thinking about all the different types of darkness. But that's the point. See, Frankel doesn't, one of the reasons why Man's search for meaning and Frankel's message is just so exhilarating, defying so many other types of Holocaust materials or, you know, other tragic descriptions and, and periods in history is because he defies that feeling of constriction. When you read Man's Search for Meaning, at least my experience and most of the people I know is you don't walk away feeling like I can't breathe and like I'm scared to live and and that um, the world is a dark place. As we say in Hebrew, the opposite. I walk away going, well, one of his phrases is say yes to life in spite of everything. And I walk away. I think most people walk away saying yes to life, not no to life, feeling the yes, feeling the sense of expansiveness, of defiance. That's the defiant power of the human spirit. And that's what he describes coming out of these confines with the name of God. So I want to talk about that because the name Yah, as it says here, I'm looking at it in the Hebrew, I just looked it up on Sepharia. You want a great site for original text with English, so you can see the Hebrew and the English, or just great English uh, translations, sefaria.org is the best site I have found out there for original text. So I'm looking at Psalm 118.5. And the word Yah is not G-O-D. You will not find G-O-D anywhere in the Bible. It does not exist. There is no God in the Bible. Now, You'll see G-O-D if you look at translations, but it's important to remember that a translation is an interpretation, and an interpretation is power, and there are agendas in interpretations. There are limitations in interpretations. When I look at the original text, I see what Frankel meant. Yah. Say it with me. 
Yeah, it's a fun word to say. It's a primal word. It's not even a word. It's a sound, isn't it? It's not even a word. It's a, it's a, I mean, I guess one syllable could be a word. I guess it is a word. But it's one syllable, which is this kind of guttural primal yah, right? I say that because it's not coincidental that if you look at almost all of the great traditions, they all call their their deity, their, their godhead, their god, by the same sound. Buddha, uh, Shiva, Jehovah, Allah, Shekhinah, one of the Kabbalistic names for God. Christians didn't call Jesus Jesus. That's English. The Christians um, originally and still some do call Jesus Yeshua. Right? Ah, what is the ah? Ah is this primal sound. Ah is an open sound. I learned this from my teacher, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who says that the reason why all of these deities, all of these gods are called by Yah, it's because it's anamanapia, anamanapoetic. That is a hard word, isn't it? Anamanapia, that it, it sounds like what it is. Um, I love this. There's, an, there's a lot of onomatopoeias in Hebrew because it's an ancient language. So, for instance, the word for bottle in Hebrew is bakbuk. Why? Because when you drink, think about a bottle, what does it sound like? Bakbuk, 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 bakbuk. Right? So lots of primal sounds built into these ancient language. Yah is this... <sighs> Sorry if I just breathed into your ear, but you get the point, right? It's this just primal release openness expansiveness that's why it's yah allah shina yeshua jehovah because each one of those is an expression of breaking free from the bonds that bind us from our prisons our prison cells that which confines us and frankel talks about coming out of that closed interior space literally and figuratively by breaking free but I would argue that one of the reasons why Frankel really never was imprisoned is the same reason why Mandela was never really imprisoned I love Nelson Mandela I love him for so many reasons not the least of which is he said something to the effect of he was in prison for over a quarter of a century Robin Island, but he was never imprisoned. His body was stuck there, but his mind, more importantly, his spirit, was always free. That is Yah. I don't care what you say you believe. That's a demonstration of Yah. That's a literally a demonstration of expansiveness in the face of reduction. His um, the Afrikaners, his his captors wanted him to be a number. I forgot he had a number too. I forgot what it was. And he, he was never his number. King, Martin Luther King, Dr. King was never a number. He was never the number of his skin, right? The amount of pigment, melanin in his skin. He was always transcendent of that number in the box that others tried to put him in. Great men and women all throughout history have not just said God, Yah, they've lived it, they've embodied it. Frankel carried it with him through the depths of darkness. We'll go into that in a future podcast because 
What he would say is, it was never completely dark in there. There were always, the Kabbalists would say, sparks of meaning down in the darkness. And people like Frankel, Mandela, and others have an ability, a, a, a spirit to go into the darkness to hold on to those sparks. And it truly is never dark when you have this capacity, when you have this connection. And so when Frankel comes out, he says these words, right, from that narrowness. Ultimately, you have saved me. You, yeah, not G-O-D, but this expansive, defiant force, quality that isn't up in outer space. G-O-D doesn't live up there. G-O-D doesn't exist anywhere other than right here, right now, within us, within you, no matter what darkness you are in, that divine capacity is there to draw it, the Yah of Buddha, the Yah of Krishna, the Yah of Allah, the Yah of Yeshua, the Yah of the Shekhinah. All great religions teach us that we have that divine within us. And that's when we have to go inwards to discover it. That's the meaning that Frankel later talks about. That's the power. That's the tr transcendent or defiant power of your spirit. And when you have it, you are always free. You're not, it, it doesn't matter what circumstances you find yourself in. Because circumstances, by definition, are outside of you. You never control your circumstances. You might think you do. We, we create illusions that we do all the time. But we don't control our circumstances, right? We, we are victims, in many ways, of our circumstances. There's only so much you can do to control a particular situation. At the end of the day, all you have is not outside of you. It's within you. It's this power within you. And that's yours, as Dr. Franco would say, until your dying breath. And what is that power? Again, this capacity to tap into the ya, the ah, the divinity that is not outside of us, but that is within us. We'll talk more about in the next podcast, um, different names of the divine and how it relates to our name, to understanding who we are. But for now, I think it's just enough to know that, again, no matter what darkness you might be facing or enduring, no matter how confining or constrictive it may feel, that we can always shatter that darkness. We can always break through those confines by finding within us this yah, this defiant power of the human spirit. Um, this power which brought Dr. Frankel, literally, he says, to his knees and allowed him, it says, um, on that day, in that hour, my life started anew, right? Because born again to me isn't anything more than realizing that all we have is now and now and now and now. There is no past. Like, Point it out to me. Show it to me. Put it on a platter and serve it to me. We spend so much time living in our past, living in um, what was. And yet it's, it's not real. It's not there, but it does exist. It exists within us and we carry it with us and it confines us. And we end up trapped in the past 
And so much of our life is lost because we're not in the now. So when we start living in the now right here, we become free. We can become liberated because we break free from those confines, from those things that kept us bound. And so, so much of the work of the defiant spirit is learning how to be here now. Lots of great tools and strategies to do that. And we'll talk about it, I'm sure, many, many more times. I've talked about it in many other podcasts. Power of now, being here now, is also about the liberation from what was, from those numbers, from the past, from that which confines us. To take a deep breath, not coincidental that the sound of the breath is the sound of the divine. And the first thing that goes when we're in fear is our breath. And the first thing we need to do to get back into our power is to take a deep breath because you're not simply breathing. Nothing simple about breathing. If you think it's simple, right? Get your head shoved underwater, get tossed in the waves sometime and realize just how not simple breathing can be. We just simply take it for granted. But the power of that breath is our ability to shatter the confines, to take a deep breath, to take back our control. The only thing we control, our response to our circumstances, not the circumstances themselves. And that's the beginning of our new life. That's what it means to be born again. My opinion, doesn't matter what you believe. It matters about how you are showing up, if you are present, and are you approaching your life responding, not reacting. And that's what it means to be human. That's how he ends this. Until again, I became a human being. Why does he end that way? <clears throat> because nothing against animals. My wife loves animals and I love my wife, therefore I love animals. Um, I actually do love dogs. It's the cats I could do without. I digress. I, um, I believe deeply that animals have amazing qualities, but they can't transcend themselves. Right? They can't take a step back and be self-reflective. And that's a uniquely human capacity to take a step back and to un understand ourselves as more than just the sum of our urges and our desires and the, um, the moment, but to appreciate just how amazing life is and how much capacity we have been endowed with and that when we have lost our breath, we can catch our breath. When we have lost ourselves in reaction, we can stop reacting and start responding. And it comes down to our power of choice. That is our supernatural power. The pathway to living the defiant spirit is to choose to go into that place, to access it, to live it, to say, yeah, right? I will not be confined. I will not be a number. I will ultimately expand. I will be free. That's the conversation that we are having today. That's the conversation we'll continue in the next podcast, probably around the nature of that all embodied in something simple but not so simple, your name. Until the next time, everything you want and need to know about me or about the Defiant Spirit, you can find on our website. You'll get more about that in a second. Until then, shalom, salam, namaste, and peace. Go live the defiant spirit in your life. You've been listening to the Soul Center Podcast with your hosts Ariella and Baruch Halevi. If you'd like to learn more about Soul Center, please visit mysoulcenter.org. 
You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at My Soul Center. And if you found meaning and inspiration in this podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd also love to hear from you to connect with you. So please reach out to us. And until then, we wish you shalom, salam, namaste, and peace.